Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Joe, we are back at Newport Beach and they started school what feels like last week and we are already on a Thanksgiving episode, which is crazy after nine episodes of summertime. <laughs> like... You know, I, I, I don't I can't it's indefensible. I can't say anything because like this is like it didn't matter to me when I was watching it. But, like, I don't know why I care so much now. <laughs> I, uh, I think maybe because, it, like, I'm older and, like, time is, is more precious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this and our, like, you know, our uh, post-2020, post-pandemic lives. <laughs> like, time is very precious. And so, like, I care a lot more. But you literally, you could have done, you could have ended this show, like, 10 episodes. You know what I mean? Like, if this was de- if this was distilled down to a ten episode Netflix thing, then it would be like everything would happen in like an hour and a half in the first episode. <laughs> that or it would have been like a mini series called like the OC Summer Break. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like that would have been like the ten part episode. I mean, this is I. So I'm gonna jump to a note that I had in the middle of my notes for a quick second. Okay. And I'm reading this note because I'm writing my notes in real time. Okay. Right? And I think that this ended up being false, actually. But I wrote, well, this is my fault for enjoying a fairly drama-free episode, but now here comes Caleb and Julie Cooper to fuck shit up. (laughs) And ultimately, I actually walked away from this episode feeling like, you know what? This was like as drama induced like stress induced drama levels of any sitcom this was just pure sitcom fodder with a stolen car subplot (laughs) yes like it's pretty light this is light on the like you know this isn't ending with someone overdosing in tj no 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 no. it's not it's definitely not it's not oh there's no overdosing there's no like they're like the literally like you said the only drama is we're going back to chino yeah <laughs> we're going going back back back, back to chino, chino. chino. <laughs> i love 
slash find it slightly offensive the storyline throughout this episode that like Kirsten cannot be trusted in the kitchen. There's the one scene I, I Seth walks in and he just goes, Mom, 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 you're uncomfortably close to the corner of that oven right now and I need you to back up. I'm just like, who the fuck are you, Seth Cohen? So okay, so you're you're starting at the beginning of the episode, which I'm glad because I'm watching this episode and I was before even the beginning the beginning credits start rolling in this cold open, right? I immediately was taken out and I had to sp- I had to stop it and go do something else because I was so mad. And the reason why I was mad, Matt, is because Seth Cohen in this episode says, why are you basically asking Kirsten, why are you doing, you know, why are you doing Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. We know that that is fucking false. That is not true. I, I haven't even gotten to a Christmaka episode in this real time. And I am aware that he likes Christmaka more than he likes yeah. Thanksgiving. I also have to question if th- he's giving all of his reasons why Thanksgiving is his favorite time. But like, I don't know. There's something I don't totally follow because it also seems like he doesn't want his mom to do the home cooked meal thing. So has it always been Sandy that makes this big, crazy Thanksgiving? Like, like I want to know, I need to compare what his previous Cohen Thanksgivings have been to understand how this is such a fumble. <laughs> like, I I was trying to figure out and maybe I maybe I was maybe it came up and I was looking at my phone, let's be honest, but I, yeah. I was like is it that they have cuz they have like a maid, right? Or I mean they had a I don't know, they had a maid in the first episode, the first couple episodes. <laughs> Over the summer there was a maid. <laughs> Look, they adopted their new maid, so it's yeah. fine. <laughs> His yeah. name's Ryan Atwood and he Ryan takes Atwood. care of the house for. Him. He can make bacon, <laughs> he can grill. He, he's the one who can cook. Yeah, um, he made some grilled cheese and it looked like a grilled cheese. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm wondering if like maybe there was maybe they never cooked. Um, not even that Sandy cooked. Maybe it's just that they never cooked or something. But okay, um, yeah, I was just immediately taken out of it. I was like, no, I got to turn this off because this is a continuity thing that bothers me being a fan of the show and like looking at the overarching thing of the show. Because like, I don't think Thanksgiving comes up like this. And, you know, you know, fa- I-, I will eat my words when we get to season two, if there's a Thanksgiving episode and it's like this, but, and he's all talking about it, but Let's be honest. We, when we think Seth Cohen, we think of Chrismica because, again, like a true narcissist, his favorite holiday is going to be the one he invented. This episode does not. <laughs> Seth doesn't look like a winner in this episode, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, <laughs> Seth comes off. I mean, in some, in okay, let me correct that. In a few lights, yeah, he's a winner, but yeah, in a fuck he does not light. come off. <laughs> Yeah, he does not come off good. No, no. In this episode, one bit. He's throwing demands at his mom like a fucking 10-year-old kid on Christmas morning. Uh, he's juggling two women like it's a 1960s sitcom. Like it's just like I think this is like literally they done this subplot on Boy Meets World. Like yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, he needs to be in two places at once. But what I do enjoy in this episode is that he's also one of the other runners throughout, probably the biggest runner throughout the episode is um, Ryan just dunking on him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that has some of my favorite lines. Uh, First, he says, I liked it so much better when you had no sense of humor. Uh, And then Ryan dunks on him a second time in front of the family. And he goes, "Uh, did you guys know that Ryan is apparently 
funny now. <laughs> like, like there are these just amazing zingers at his own expense. And uh, I think he, it, it gets called back in the very last line of the episode, too, which I did not write down. But when they're sitting on the floor eating Chinese food, he, he makes another comment where he's just like, all right, great. Like, he's just getting dunked on left and right by Ryan. And uh, I'm all for it. I like it. See, these are the moments that I appreciate because they weren't, even though Ryan is the hero, quote unquote, you know, the dark and mysterious stranger brooding. Um, brooding is always the word. <laughs> brooding and scowling is uh, it's always what uh, they use to describe him. They're not afraid to make him funny. They're not afraid to have him be funny. It's this, it's it's similar to it's similar to when they give Rachel in Friends really silly things to do. Like yeah. eating cheesecake off the floor with Chandler, um, getting a Sphinx cat. Like they're these are the things that like we expect that from Ross, because Ross is like, you know, dorky and inept. We expect that from all the other folks, but Rachel, who's supposed to be like our miss our cool girl, they give her these really funky things to do, which end up like showing like I love those moments because I'm like, yeah, she's more than just like the romantic interest that you're supposed to be rooting for. No, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I do. I I really enjoyed this episode. I don't think that that's me playing any hand early here. We don't really rate these. Um, I am still in the mindset that I. I am embarrassed by how much I like Anna. I think it's unbelievable that there's even a debate on the Anna versus Summer <laughs> factor of this, but that I also know the OC enough to mm-hmm. know that Anna loses this battle, which is even more <laughs> infuriating to me in the long run. Um, but even then, even with me saying, like, you know what? I think Anna would have been my dream girl in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh that sweater that she's wearing with whatever the fucking giant bow is that's like stitched into it is one of the ugliest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Again, Anna's serving a uh, serving like manic pixie dream girl maximal, you know, aughts like, you know, we, the, we've invaded Iraq. We have no idea what fashion is anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, put that on TikTok, she... Matt. I dare you to put that on TikTok. <laughs> I do love, speaking of Anna, I love when the Coens meet Anna for the first time. The insane little hand motions that Sandy is sending to Seth, which is like the total dad thing of what he's trying to say is like, hey, she seems perfect for you. I'm pretty sure she likes you. But it also kind of looks like he's given a like, take her to pound town <laughs> son type motions too, which is like... Probably not what a dad should be like giving hand motions towards his son. Well, about. definitely not Seth. Not definitely not Sandy Cohen. Like, come on, yeah. Sandy Cohen at this point is America's dad, and <laughs> it's America's dad, and apparently, you know, America's legal guardian. And he, he, yeah, we can't have him. We can't be having him doing that. But no, 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 no. Um, so the the main plots in this episode. There's only really two, ultimately. And then there's a ton of little mini plots there. Um, but it's like, there's plot one, which is Thanksgiving dinner at the Coens. Mm-hmm. And all these crazy little side plot plots that are happening in that little bubble. And then the other plot is that Ryan's brother calls him from prison, asking to see him on Thanksgiving. 
and Marissa going to Chino mm-hmm. with with Ryan. Uh, and the time frame is kind of crazy here because in this time frame, he drives the Chino, mm-hmm. goes into the prison, meets with his brother. His brother's like, you need to return. You need to drop a stolen car off at a chop shop for me so that these dudes stop beating me up. He goes back home, meets up with his old girlfriend, meets up with the neighbor, gets the car, goes to the chop shop, gets ambushed at the chop shop, escapes with Marissa, goes back to the prison <laughs> to see his brother. Washes his again. hands of his with his, of his brother. And then yeah, washes his hands of his brother and then bounces home just in time for the big fight with the turkey on fire. <laughs> and some Chinese food. Like, that is a lot in what is essentially, what, maybe an 8 to 12 hour window total? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, when did they start? <laughs> when did they, when <laughs> when did this all take place? Because they're not having breakfast in the first scene. They're very, they're no. very much, no cinnamon roll. You know how like some families, if you're cooking all day, it's like cinnamon rolls or cereal. Some, yeah, yeah, something to like hold you over before the big dinner. Like, oh, here's like a little bit of a breakfast. Mm-hmm. The cinnamon rolls is perfect. Like we, that is exactly what we would do at like the Kelly house. It's like, here is, here are eight giant, <laughs> frosted cinnamon rolls for you to indulge in while my mom and I are like trying to cook 14 different things <laughs> and still not miss the highlights of the Macy's Day Parade. Like, yeah. it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of moving pieces for a successful Thanksgiving. And I'll, I'll be honest, the most of the Ryan subplot I am not that focused on. Like, I'm like, he ain't going to jail again. Like, yeah. so I know that, <laughs> so I know that it's like, all right, Something bad will happen, but it's probably not the worst thing that's happened because the motherfucker's been in jail twice and burnt down a house. So, like, yes, <laughs> I think I think he's going to be fine at the end of this story. Um, it, there's a little bit of charm. Honestly, the most charming part about the Ryan subplot in this episode is Marissa meeting his ex-girlfriend and seeing the life that he left behind a little bit. Um, and I do think that that the scene in the kitchen specifically where she's helping them get their Thanksgiving dinner prepared is charming enough. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, oh, this is this is sweet. This is cute. Yeah. It, I love yeah. her brother who's just straight up like, dude, you don't fucking have to do like which which raises to mind. Then why aren't you dropping off this car? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You're what does he say? Trey is my best friend. And you have the you, like. You have the car, and you're his best friend, and you it live and you live so in Chino. Then sense. get Arturo to fucking do this. What? Yeah. <laughs> it's like I I do want to ask, um, and I don't need to know plot lines. Is this pretty much the only time that we see Arturo and Teresa for no. the rest of the show? Is okay. They do come back. All right. No. Cool. <laughs> this is not the last time. All right. I love that. Because I did like both of those characters. I'm like, you know what? I like that these characters have zero filter. Like, they're just, like, laying it out plain and simple. And you can actually tell. And who knows? The OC's been fucking wild for 11 episodes. (laughs) And characters can shift on a dime. But I get a vibe that this family cares way more about Ryan than any Atwood that we've met thus far in this show. Mm -hmm. So if if they're going to still be in his life as a somewhat good thing, great. If they're going to bring them back to fucking Donnie, make them the new Donnie or whatever, like, yeah. 
I I could live a happier life not <laughs> not having that be here. But that's I mean, unless you have anything else with the Ryan subplot, I think it's time to really break down what's happening with the Coens <laughs> during this. I think that like what I do love about this this particular episode specifically about the Ryan subplot is the fact that like we we get to see it, it, it Marissa kind of sub, sums it up in the um, it, at, uh, towards the end where it's like I remember that you I forget that you came from somewhere else and yeah. I think that there are that's one thing and one of the reasons why the OC season one is pretty perfect is that it it's about um it, OC season one is like the him reconciling where he's from and feeling that pull the the forces that are pulling him back and not fully accepting that he it, the new reality season two Ooh. will be about accepting the new reality and and realizing that he needs to protect that at all costs. Well, and I think another element of that, though, is and and I'm going to use a line from next week's episode uh to, to express this, but I think Marissa's line makes sense to a certain extent because Ryan's new reality and his ability to accept it literally hinges on the way he's being treated by individual people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if everybody, in, if he's hanging around with Luke or all these other people who are calling him Chino and reminding him that he doesn't fucking belong there, mm-hmm. then like he's going to feel like he doesn't belong there. Whereas like when he's with the Coens, when he's with Marissa, and even when he's with Summer and Anna to a certain extent, he doesn't feel like an outsider because he just feels like he's part of that group um because i do love that next week we have that one line where he just says it's been six months and i'm still che- the guy from chino who burned down a house mm-hmm. like i and i i i have a lot of mixed thoughts about next week i'm very excited for us to dive into that one but i can't wait we're not talking about that just yet so jump over to the cohen's will say the least threatening uh the least stressful plot point is actually one that i uh, kind of bounced back and forth on, but landed on I like this, which is uh the attempt at pairing up Jimmy and Rachel. Um, <laughs> when they're first trying to do the blind date shit, I hate it, and I've had that done to me. I'm not oh, sure you mean Mona and like... Joshua? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, have you ever had Have you ever had someone like kind of trick you into being on a on a double date? No, um, because that would imply that I have friends who have who I'm not their only single gay friend. Um, fair enough. In- fair enough. Including I, my gay friends. <laughs> yeah. No. I um. This was like a recent development. This this happened. Uh, I was I was invited to a a birthday party and I attended said birthday party, and then I found out while already at the party that one of the other people at the party was single and had expressed interest in me secretly. And then everyone, without me really knowing until halfway through the evening, like did everything in their power to like get us to sit next to each other and talk about stuff. And exactly how it is in this episode, when you're kind of like dropped into that situation, suddenly the person that they're trying to match you up with is the worst human being that you could ever be paired up with. They could be great, yeah. but like the the sheer fact that it's like 
you've been like airdropped into a scenario that you were not even remotely mentally prepared for. Mm -hmm, Don't mm -hmm. do this to people. It does not benefit anybody. It it only like worsens the situation. But I do love Rachel's kind of yelling at at Sandy about this. She's like, you're going to match me out with him. He's a thief. And he goes, you're a lawyer. It's a match. (laughs) It's a perfect match. (laughs) Um, I'm still kind of frustrated at her kind of being like, you're just trying to pawn me off because you don't want to accept what's going on between us. I know. And I'm like, I would like Mona, stop trying to come on to Sandy Cohen in his house under, under Kirsten's eye. She's cooking you a turkey. Yeah. She's <laughs> like, getting she's getting hella wasted, but she's cooking you. She's trying. Yeah, she's doing her best. Then we get this super awkward <laughs> this awkward scene where Jimmy and Rachel are both watching a tele, a football game that is clearly something that the actors are not watching in that mm-hmm. moment and it is it might be the worst piece of acting that I've seen so far in the first season of the OC. Because <laughs> it's just Jimmy going, go, 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 go. And Rachel going, hit him. <laughs> hit him. <laughs> I'm like, look, I don't watch sports, but I've been in a room where people are watching sports. Yeah. And it sounds way more... They, like The fact that Jimmy is sitting on a couch yelling, go, 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 go. And then when there is presumably... A touchdown. He doesn't jump up on the couch in celebration. I'm mm-hmm. like, this is not an actual person watching football. I've been around those people, and they are very animated when things go well. They're animated. They're they're annoying. But yes. like it, it you need. There was no stakes. Like no, yeah. But by the end of this episode, I was kind of shipping them. I won't lie. Like them kind of sitting on the couch talking about how soothing they find having ESPN Classic on the TV. Mm-hmm. And like she has that line where I, I actually think it's the most mature thing Rachel has said the entire time I've seen her on this show where she's like, look, I know you're not ready for anything. Like she can tell that he's still very much in love with his wife. Mm-hmm. She's like, but if you ever aren't, hit me up. Like, <laughs> it's like, you know what? I like, I, I'm okay with that. It's like, you know what? This is my way of saying I'm into you, but I know you've got your shit you got to work through. Yeah. I just like, it made me uncomfortable because, oh my God, we're we getting personal. So it made me uncomfortable because I've definitely done that. Like I've definitely yeah. been that person where like, hey, I know that you and I have attraction toward each other. And I know that like you're with someone right now, but like in any situation where that could be different, you need to like, let me know. And yeah. Which is never, I've never been let know. I've been in that same situation before. No one has ever let me know. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, in this particular situation, someone did let me know, but it still hasn't worked out quite. It hasn't worked out in general for, for many other reasons, but like, it yeah. was just so weird to like watch it and like, know very intimately kind of where that comes from and to also be kind of simultaneously disgusted with myself as well yeah because it's like oh man you ever, you have you ever have that where like you look back on it and you're like damn i was so thirsty like <laughs> yeah i think all of us have had things that we regretted in a in a fit of being thirsty and speaking of regrets while feeling a little thirsty let's talk about seth cohen's plot line for a couple minutes <laughs> ryan atwood being a perfect wingman mm-hmm. invites Anna over 
for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Well, cause, and, and I really love that. Like there is like a kinship between the two of them. We saw that at the cotillion, right. Yeah. Like, or the debut. We saw that in that, in that moment. And it's so interesting. Cause they, he can relate to her being also an outsider, right? Like she's a new kid. He's a new kid. Obviously she comes from that moneyed world, but like, She's manic pixie dream girl. So she she's still weird and different and not quite of she like <laughs> for all intents and purposes, like she's very covered up. She's very like she's very um, Mennonite in her like, you know, no yeah. um, in her dress. And so compared to like Summer, who, you know, you like one breeze. She's grilling in a bikini. Yeah, sometimes. like one breeze <laughs> and you see everything. But um, in this way, it's like there there is that kinship between them, and I like how at this point we're 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 still exploring that. And um, but Ryan does have his back at the same time because it's like you know ultimately whoever Seth wants to be with, but he's doing his part to kind of you know um, yenta the, the thing, uh, yenta the relationship between them. Yeah, well, and he's. I think Ryan's perspective, which is a perspective that many of my friends have tossed my way sometimes, is like, dude, I know you're hung up on person X, but person X has not paid you even Mm -hmm. a second of time. And meanwhile, here's person Y, who actually cares about you, actually makes time for you, and that you enjoy being around. So why not, at the very least, explore this? And if you don't Mm -hmm. have feelings for that person at the end of the day then you don't and you and you remain friends but like your your reason for not exploring with this person should not be because person x uh, because you like person x because mm-hmm. person x has shown no signs of liking you back just yet um so we're we you know she's there she's going to make him a special snack which he makes fun of and she tells him how he's going to eat his words when she's done cooking it um, she goes right down Caleb's throat about, you know, tearing up the land that he wants to tear up, which definitely wins some points for Seth <laughs> with, uh, with, with daddy co in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything's going great. I mean, at this point, this is a magical rom-com moment. And then, uh, oh, Marissa invited summer. Of her. <laughs> uh, and Seth does the absolute worst thing possible which is not let Summer into the house, but instead hide her in the pool house and immediately start a hardcore makeout session with her. Mm-hmm. But then takes Anna to his bedroom where we get the epic return of uh, Captain Oates and has a makeout session with Anna. And then it is, like I said, this is like a Boy Meets World subplot. This is the last act of uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. We've just got... <laughs> Yes, the whole time, Seth, the whole time. (laughs) Just bouncing back and forth between these two rooms. Again, does not look good for for Seth throughout this. I also wrote down a note that I am embarrassed by, which says that I literally have the exact same sweater that Seth is wearing in this episode. Now, in my defense, I have worn that sweater exactly one time, and it was for Halloween when I was fear from uh, Inside Out. (laughs) But it is absolutely undeniably the exact same sweater. (laughs) Oh, I I also wrote down a line um, when it all when everything comes out that Mm -hmm. this is what Seth has been doing all day. Kirsten in her slightly uh, inebriated way just goes, I always knew you were going to be a late bloomer. (laughs) Which is 
just could not be the worst thing that she could say. And then tying all of these stories together is that Caleb and Julie Cooper make an un- unexpected arrival as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is this amazing shot that is so heartwarming where the Coens are walking through their house. They're seeing Jimmy and Rachel getting along and they're seeing Seth cooking with Anna and it just feels like, oh, love is in the air. The infamous holiday of love, Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we've, we've done it. Almost instantaneously, Caleb, Julie, and Summer all make unannounced visits that just fuck up all of these love storylines mm-hmm. in one fell swoop. <laughs> uh, Sandy has my favorite line of the se- of this season, or no, of this episode. Uh, it's the gruesome twosome. <laughs> they give him like i just love the the wit that they've outfitted peter gallagher with when it comes to julie cooper and again next week it's a little bit off for Mm -hmm. sandy but not Mm -hmm. terribly but for the most part sandy has this vibe of always knowing that he has the higher ground yeah Mm -hmm. so that he almost like enjoys the chaos like like to him it's like he doesn't really care that much if Rachel and Jimmy get together or not because he knows that he's not interested in Rachel like that and Mm -hmm. he loves his wife right and at this point he's still like and my wife is faithful to me so I'm not threatened by Jimmy so like everything is honky dory there and like Caleb already hates me Caleb's not gonna ever hate me more than he currently hates me so it's almost this attitude of like this situation isn't going to change one way or the other, so I might as well just kick back and have fun with the insanity that's happening. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do, I do love that about him. It's it's very zen <laughs> to a certain extent. Yeah. But I I do have one other Captain Oates line because you know Seth brings Anna up, introduces her to Captain Oates, mm-hmm. abandons her for for what feels like a good half hour, mm-hmm. um, and when he comes back, which. Credit to Anna, I probably would not have just stayed up in that room after more than five minutes. I would have been like, what the fuck is happening? Um, but she's playing she's playing Jenga with Captain Oates. Yeah. And uh, says like, oh, Captain Oates is a bit of a sore loser, honestly. <laughs> Which, if he wasn't also making out with Summer behind the scenes, this scene would be adorable. <laughs> there was a moment where I was watching Captain Oates. It was after the Jenga when he gets like... locked up in his sweater like he can't get his sweater off and i remember thinking like oh my god i remember why i like guys like this (laughs) why i like guys like this because they're just you know so dorky and just you know quick with their words and you know never like it just yeah like it it, i think it was just like a the budding the budding dom in me (laughs) Yeah, there you go. But yeah, all in all, I found this to be a really enjoyable episode that on the like TV show Thanksgiving episodes, aka the Friends verse. Mm-hmm. Um I would I would put this in the higher in the I would rank this along with some of the higher rated Friends Thanksgiving episodes. This is right up there with like the one with all the football and Chandler in a box in my eyes. Like this is something where it's like, you know what? I would watch this on Thanksgiving. Mhm. I I think that it is I mean obviously it gets eclipsed by 
you know, it's not too like what a couple more episodes and it gets eclipsed by uh, Chrismica. So I think you're right there. I think that I would also include this as part of like a Thanksgiving watch because like people have movies that they like to watch around the holidays. I love Thanksgiving TV episodes. Well, I, I think the problem is that there's really only one to two truly yeah. great Thanksgiving movies. You know, like, and I love Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I would say it's probably John Hughes's best overall movie. But I, at a certain point, I'm like, I don't know if I need to watch this every single yeah. year. Yeah, I don't and need to like watch Home for the Holidays a- every year. Yeah, Pieces of April is great, but it's fucking a downer. You know what yeah. I mean? And like the family, like, it's stone, just like right. Yeah, that, is that also there's just, Thanksgiving. I think so. That's either Thanksgiving or Christmas. But yeah, it's that that like late fall, early winter mm-hmm. vibe. And I think you're right. I think television shows really. I think television shows have better Thanksgiving episodes yes. than there are Thanksgiving movies. I weirdly don't find myself watching, like, I'll watch old Christmas specials, yeah. right? Like, I'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to watch Pee Wee's Christmas special. I want to watch the Garfield Christmas special. But I'm not like, ooh, it's Christmas time. I've got to bust out season three, episode 11 of Scrubs. Like, yeah. I, I found that, like, a lot of... T- Friends has almost no Christmas episodes. Mm-hmm. Half their Christmas episodes low-key just turn into New Year's Eve episodes. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I I think that, especially in a world that you and I both uh, happily live in, which is the world of the sitcom and the, mm-hmm. the 40-minute uh, TV drama, like... Thanksgiving usually fares better as a individual TV episode than than the than the Christmas episode. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. A lot of songs in this one. <laughs> uh, so let's take a look at this. <laughs> so uh, episode kicks off. They're in Seth's room. We hear a group I've never heard of before. L Mart with We Drink on the Job. Uh, there's also... Breathe Easy by the band Minibar when Ryan and Marissa are making out on his bed. Trespassers Williams 
has the song Different Stars that plays when Ryan and Marissa show up and meet Teresa. Uh, there are two covers of Caravan, one by the John Bozen Trio and one by Gordon Jenkins, uh, which are both the soundtrack of Seth bouncing back and forth between Anna and Summer's rooms. Uh, just before Ryan drops off the car and gets jumped, we hear Mellow Man Aces Latinos Mundial. And at the end of the episode... We hear Alexi Mord- Mordich with Orange Sky. Mm-hmm. What are you going with with your song of the episode? So I want, I was ready to go come in here and say it's the final song um, mm-hmm. that plays over, you know, the the final encounter with Trey and then, you know, the summation and all of that. But honestly, it's the it's the covers of Caravan. Like this, like, <laughs> like this, like really like burlesque type music that we're getting. That's you know, uh, making Seth out to be this Casanova, which is so strange to me. Um, strange to me now was like you know so hot uh, for me then, but when I first started watching the show, but it's just like the fact that it's also two different covers of the same song for two different women, like that's beautiful in my mind so it's it's the it's that like sax heavy saxophony like weird burlesque music for me so i'm going with what your first instinct was i'm going with orange sky Mm -hmm. and it it comes with a story Mm. do you know fun fact about the song orange sky it is the only song in the movie garden state that did not make it onto the garden state soundtrack and the reasoning was that the OC had already licensed it to be on the OC soundtrack coming out that same month. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. So, so I know this. For for those of you who don't know something about me, as we've mentioned <laughs> Manic Pixie Dream Girls multiple times, um, Garden State is, if not my favorite movie of all time, in my top three. Uh, and is also among one of the most watched movies in my life. So... Orange Sky has been a song that I just, I hear the opening guitar strum. I hear that, you know, had a dream, came in of the orange sky. Like, like I hear that and I'm just, I'm transported back, baby. Like that is just good vibes. I love that movie. I can't remember the last time I saw Garden State. I don't. I think that Garden State is... I'm sure for most people, if they rewatch Garden State now, they'd be like, this aged really poorly and I don't like it. I think that the level of nostalgia that I have for that movie is too strong. It's mm. because because to me, it's not just so Garden State hit me two different times in different, very important ways. So I saw Garden State the week before I graduated high school. And I still hadn't officially selected a college at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was something about Zach Braff's characters, like numbness and fear of the future and all of that, that I just like instantly connected with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I just, I related to it so hard. I felt so seen in that movie. And then right after that, was I go to college, I go to this community college that I ended up graduating from, and and lot, that's where all of my best friends came from. And uh, winter break, I 
I won't get into all the details, but I had the first truly bad heartbreak of my entire life. Mm. And it was literally the first day of winter break. And as I'm sure you know, when you go from your high school winter break to college winter break, where it's damn near a month long, yeah, you... You can live a life at, in that time. Well, especially because in your head, you're like, whatever, it's only a couple extra weeks. But like, especially for me, I had like one foot in, one foot out. So I had all these college friends for sure. But I still was friends with all of my high school, like all the kids who were like a grade below me in high school, like the people who were juniors when I was a senior. So in my mind, I'm like, winter break, I'm going to hang out and catch up with everybody. But a week later, they're back in school, mm-hmm. and now I'm alone <laughs> for for three weeks while all of my other college friends who came from like other states and other towns or whatever are back home. And I, it was a very lonely three months with a broken heart. And of course, my pre-ordered copy of Garden State came in the mail the day of the big breakup. And it was one of those situations where... I was so sad, I couldn't even get up and like change a DVD. So it was just like I was sitting on the computer feeling in in my feelings, and that Garden State DVD would just keep replaying over and over and over again. Damn. Um, Yeah. You must have, like, damn. I could almost recite that movie at this point. But that, that, but now, like, Again, as you get older, then you look back at like your 18-year-old problems and they seem so small and so mm-hmm, silly mm-hmm. in comparison. So like it's almost like now you would think that that movie would be like triggering for me, but more it's just like, oh, I wish I could go back to when that was the biggest problem that was happening yeah. in my life. You know, like, yeah. it's very it's very weirdly comforting in that in that way. Um but yeah, Orange Sky is my pick, but I, I agree with you. The idea of having two different versions of the same song for the different women is a fucking brilliant move. Like, love that. Um, but real quick, pop culture stuff. What what pop culture thing have you been indulging yourself in? Um, I got to say that it's... I, I, I got to say, because as of recording this, I was able to secure them. Um, I... As of recording this, I have tickets to see Beyonce on the Renaissance tour. Oh my god, yes. man! My I should have gone first because mine is weak sauce compared to you seeing the Queen live. <laughs> yeah, I last time I saw her was the last time she was on tour, which was in 2016 for Lemonade, and um, I am very—I think it was 2016, pretty sure. Anyway, I'm very excited to see her again. Um, yeah, their nosebleeds. They're, you know, yeah, their nosebleeds, but like, I just want to be in the room with a bunch of people, um, dancing to this beautiful album and this house music and whatever way she wants to present it. Cause she is such a, she is such an artist and like understands in the same way that like Madonna understands how to curate a live show. Beyonce is also the same too. So we're going to, it's going to be good. Nice. Um, my weak ass comparison is that I I watched the movie The Parenthood for the first time ever, um, and I I loved it. I, it's it's a really charming good movie. So now I think I'm I'm going to indulge in the whole Parenthood TV series as well, which I've been told is very good. And uh, my my former co host Kathleen, who will be on an episode of this podcast at some point. Um, 
said, your already giant heart will somehow grow three sizes even bigger when you watch The Parenthood. That's the level of joy it will bring to Dang. you. So. Dang. <laughs> so, I'm excited for that. But yeah, uh, I mean, just the movie Parenthood, I did not realize that that movie was as massive as it was. Like, looking at, like, just box office stats and stuff. Like, oh, this movie was, like, a legitimate unexpected juggernaut of 1989 like i actually don't think i even knew that parenthood the tv show was based on a film yeah it was based on a movie starring rick moranis and steve martin and a few other people it is a little bit drama a little bit comedy uh it's a ryan how a ron howard film but yeah on a 20 million dollar budget it made 126 million dollars um, and it just tells multiple stories of different family members. Um, so it's Steve Martin, Diane Weiss, Mary Steenberg, uh, Rick Moranis, Martha Plumpton, Keanu Reeves, uh, Leaf Phoenix, <laughs> um, and a few other people. But it, it's very sweet. It's very touching. Uh, it was number one in the week it came out. And it's you know held a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes ever since. Even got a couple Academy Award nominations for original song and supporting actress you know how like there are movies where right in the beginning you just know that you're gonna love it Mm -hmm. that was me with the parenthood so like the parenthood starts off and it's you know maybe the 50s or early 60s and it's a father taking his kid to a baseball game and they sit down and then the father gets up and walks over to like one of the random guys selling peanuts and hands him some money and then walks away and the guy sits down and starts talking to the kid. Uh, and the kid is like, um, I know that my dad just paid you to watch after me, but that's fine. And the guy's like, how do you know that? And he's like, because this is just a memory and you're just a concoction of multiple different peanut men throughout all of my birthdays of the past. As I try to reconcile with the damage that these have been like, and it's like this amazing, like fourth wall break of like, trying to explain why Steve Martin has become such the helicopter overly loving parent mm-hmm. that he was in like a very cute, like it's got that almost, uh, you know, problematic figure as he may be what made like those early Woody Allen movies. So interesting was that, mm-hmm. that, that existential fourth wall break. So pretty much as that happens. And then we get a Randy Newman original song playing immediately after. And I'm just like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be loving this movie for the next two hours for sure. And yeah, no editing or anything got done. I was just like eyes locked on the TV for, for a while. So uh parenthood, if you haven't seen it, it was, it was on Netflix. I don't even know if Netflix is still a thing by the time this episode comes out, but whatever. All right. Well, Joe, we had a nice homecoming, but we do also have a secret, but I can't tell you about that secret until next week. Sitting on a secret. Ooh, (laughs) my baby's got a secret. listening to the Geekscape Network. 